0: Welcome to Episode 113 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we're looking at Season 5, Episodes 6 and 7, the two-parter made up of A Christmas Carol and Emily. The original air dates were December 7th and 14th, 1997. The action takes place in San Diego, California. The IMDb user scores on A Christmas Carol have risen from 7.8 to 7.9 out of 10. Well, Emily's have come up from 7.7 to 7.8 out of 10. A Christmas Carol was directed by Peter Markle in his first of three X-Files directing gigs. He's also known for directing Youngblood, Flight 93, Bat 21, and Wagons East. Kim Manners directed Emily, he should be a familiar name by now, as are the names of the writers Vince Gilligan, John Scheiben, and Frank Spotnitz. Much of the guest cast will be familiar as well. Returning cast includes Sheila Larkin as Margaret Scully, Melinda McGraw as the voice of Melissa Scully, and Pat Skipper in his final stint as Bill Scully Jr. The first-time cast members include Zoe Anderson, who is Gillian Anderson's younger sister. In this, she plays a version of the young Dana Scully, for her only IMDb credit. Carrie or Kari Turner, K-A-R-R-I, plays Tara Scully. She's also known for playing Lieutenant Harriet Sims on 112 episodes of JAG as well as her roles in The Get Smart Film, The Bouncer, and An American Carol. John Piper Ferguson plays Detective John Kresge. This is his final X-Files stint. He previously appeared in F Galata. Gerard Plunkett is Dr. Calderon in his only X-Files job. He's also known for roles in Travelers, Romeo Section, Sucker Punch, and Ape Below. Lauren DeWald is the second girl who was cast as both Emily Sim and the young Melissa Scully. The first girl cast was able to get through A Christmas Carol, but when it came to Emily and they had her in the medical equipment, she just couldn't take it and completely freaked inside the MRI, which I'm told is an understandable reaction and that they're very unpleasant machines. So they ended up recasting her, and then Kim Manners had to reshoot all the scenes from the first episode as well that involved the original girl. Now, Diewald was still acting until 2003. She made her debut in Millennium which was really the only other really notable work of her nine IMDb credits. Rob Freeman played Marshall Sim in his second and final character on The X-Files after his role in Gethsemane. He was also in Saving Private Ryan, The Dead, Prozac Nation, and Shanghai Nights. Eric Brecker is dark-suited man number one. He previously appeared in Apocrypha and Demons, and was previously discussed in Babylon when we looked at season 10. This is Steven Mandel's only X-Files appearance, but he was also in Night Heat, Grey's Anatomy, Criminal Minds, and Revenge. And this is Walter Marsh's third and final X-Files appearance as the pathologist in A Christmas Carol. He'd previously appeared in Miracle Man and Unruhe. And finally, this is Bob Morrissey's second and final X-Files appearance as Dr. Vinay. He'd previously appeared in Teleco. Now the basic plot in this two-parter is that Scully goes to a brother's house for Christmas along with her mother. And she's clearly going to have a nephew at any moment, which is kind of putting her a little ill at ease. She is happy for Bill and for Tara, but she's not capable of having children herself because of what happened during her abduction, so it's kind of bothering her a little bit, although she says she never wanted that child until she found out she couldn't have one. It's more upsetting that she lost the option when the phone rings. She answers it and hears Melissa Scully her dead sister's voice telling her, she needs your help. Go to her. Dana Scully has the call traced and goes to the source to find that it's a crime scene which has been locked down, so no calls came out from that site. The phone company does verify that the incoming call to Bill Scully's phone came from that number, but it has no record of a mouching outgoing call. Now, the woman who lived at that residence died of what initially appears to be suicide, but which Scully later proves is murder. And the victim's daughter, Emily, bears a striking resemblance to young Melissa Scully. As Dana Scully keeps digging, she proves that Emily was adopted. She orders a PCR test, which shows that Melissa's DNA is very similar to Emily's. And she keeps going that way when Emily's father, who is brought in for killing Emily's adoptive mother, ends up dying in his jail cell because of the two dark-suited men who are running the drug tests for Emily's anemia. When a more complicated and more accurate DNA test that Scully orders comes in, it shows that Melissa is not the mother, but the similarities were so remarkable that they ran through and compared to another sample that they had on file. From a biological perspective, Dana Scully is Emily's mother. That's the end of part one. I didn't mention Mulder because the only thing he does in part one is come back from jogging with a funny hat on just in time to miss a call from Dana Scully. In part two, he's much more involved. So he's there along with Dana Scully. He actually has the full explanation of why she can't have kids. And he runs a lot of the investigation in this case. While Dana's working with Emily and caring for her and taking the medical side, he's doing more of the detective side, running down others who've been part of the same drug screenings and finding that they've been extracting Ova from some elderly women as well. Which leads to an amusing scene with Frohike, where he's saying that, yeah, all these women who just gave birth in the last three or four years, Frohike probably has a shot with them, you know, because they're mostly in wheelchairs and all in a home for the elderly. So Dana does try to legally adopt Emily, but is rejected because she's a single parent devoted to a very dangerous career path, which I think is actually a very realistic response to that situation. We also learn that Emily's medical issues are not actually anemia but she is one of the alien-human hybrids that's been constructed, only she's not stable and ends up dying essentially of natural causes because the doctors just aren't prepared to know how to keep her alive. So this two-parter doesn't add anything to the myth arc so much as it adds to Scully herself. This is really about seeing her work through the issues that she has because of her abduction and keeping that experience at the forefront in place for her character for the series this is a great character piece for Dana Scully. And while we will see echoes of these events in the future, it doesn't add a whole lot to the big picture in terms of what the long term plan for the alien invaders is. But it does still entertain quite easily. As far as the science is concerned, yeah, the limited DNA test that was done isn't conclusive, although it was compelling. The other stuff is all elements brought in from other episodes. There's really nothing else to this that we haven't already covered. As I said, the concepts here are not adding to the science fiction mythos. It's just flushing out more depth for Dana Scully. So that's all we have to say for Christmas Carol and Emily. Join us again in two weeks time for Kitsunigari. Thank you for listening.